Welcome to Energy Stories, a podcast powered by NetoGrid, dedicated to thought-provoking conversations with energy industry experts. I'm your host, Elizabeth Sergiatu, Senior Business Development Manager at NetoGrid. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting a thought leader from the energy field, Antonio Coutinho, CEO of EDP Innovation, one of the leading global utilities in the world. Antonio has had a long career with EDP, having served from various positions, including as executive board member of EDP Comercial and chief energy management officer of EDP Renewables in North America. Antonio is a civil engineer by training and holds a master's in operational research from the Instituto Superior Técnico in Lisbon. Antonio, it's a real privilege to be speaking with you today. Welcome to Energy Stories. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Antonio, EDP is one of the leading utilities in the world with 12,000 employees, 41 nationalities and presence in 22 countries on four continents. And I was really impressed when I was reading about uh, your company. And um, I've learned that you have had a very successful track record of uh, leading the energy transition over the last two decades. And I was even further blown away by the fact that you recently set a bold target for yourselves to become an all-green company by 2030, phasing out coal by 2025 and becoming carbon neutral by 2030 with 100% green generation. Now, could you please elaborate on how EDP is planning to achieve these ambitious goals and what is the role of EDP innovation in this context? Thank you. Um, first, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and, and to share some of these, these things that we are doing together. And, and I think that um, it's important that more companies embrace the, the challenge that we have on, on decarbonization of the economy. So EDP as, as an utility um, just take, took that for um, as a key element of its strategy and began working out of this for quite some time. And so we start investing in, in renewables because we knew that the world was going on that direction. And now we are uh, strengthening our commitment. We want to be all green by 2030. We just closed uh, the the biggest uh, coal power plant in Portugal this year. And we are going to phase out coal completely by 2025 across the world and be all green in 2030. That means that we are only going to produce energy uh, through wind, sun and water, let's leave it this way. And we, um, in, in February, we went to the market and we committed an investment of 24 billion in the energy transition, 21 billion in expansion in renewables, uh, mainly renewables, and 3 billion in just maintenance, uh, mostly networks. And and we are going to double the amount of uh, gigawatts that we are putting in the ground. So we have been putting about 2 gigas per year. Now we just increased to 4 gigas, which is just a small increase. I mean, it's more challenging than than you know, one things. And we are also going to invest in new technologies like green hydrogen or, or storage. On EDP innovation, you know, when you think about getting neutral by 2050, that's the, the challenge that we have uh, as um, an economy, you cannot reach that, that level without innovation. On, on one side, so we have just 30 years, which in energy is nothing, to completely redo 
our energy infrastructure that took us about one, 150. So we need to to use a lot of uh, innovation on, on, on this element. And it's, it's true that almost 60% of the technology already exists to reach carbon neutrality, but there are there is 40% that needs to be developed. And and you you need innovation in both in both areas because it's not just inventing technologies, but it's also promoting and accelerating um, the adoption of, of technologies. So EDP innovation is a key element within EDP to ensure that we are a little bit ahead of the pack and we help the company and, and the several companies that, that belong to the group to get competitive advantages, to design new impactful businesses, to ensure that um, we will deliver the targets that we have committed. EDP has made a commitment of investing $1 billion uh, uh, in innovation until 2025. And it's very important to say that the majority of this, sell, of this uh, amount is focused on incremental innovation, but there will be a part of this uh, amount that will be focused on more disruptive uh, innovation. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a very interesting role you're having, uh, just making sure that you are the forerunners of the whole group and uh, looking into the future. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So uh, we have been discussing with different um, um, energy retailers in the world. And what we keep observing is that in the energy industry today, there is a paradigm shift with regards to how utilities see themselves. And uh, many energy retailers are transitioning from mere commodity providers to energy services providers as we see margins to continue to shrink. Where does EDP stand in this paradigm shift? Uh, could you could you please give us some examples? Yeah, of course. You know, it's this is not uh, recent. I mean, this is something that um, uh, you could immediately see ten years ago. So, if you think about retail, uh, the retail business is nothing more than um, telephone, uh, a printer for for the bill. And an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, I'm I'm really making this very simple, right? But but what I'm saying is that it's very easy to that selling energy ends up being commoditized. And when this thing happens, it's very hard for you to differentiate for your neighbor and the market. If the market is competitive, it just means that the margins are really going to be really thin. So you need to innovate. You need to differentiate your your offer. And the way to differentiate our offer is to think about it beyond energy. You know, what kind of uh, uses or, or, or needs around energy that um, customers have? Now it's very, very easy to think about uh, things like solar uh, or, or storage or mobility. But the trend of uh, having an offer of energy services it's really a long one. I mean, it takes more than 10 years to from now uh, on delivering these type of services. So EDP has long realized this and rethought this, this strategy and started on finding new services, not just for B2C, but also on B2B. And a lot of the, the, the margin today that is generated is generated through precisely those, those services. Um, so EDP started with... Um, 
uh, a product like uh, Funciona, which means it works, which was basically um, a way of making sure that um, all your white appliances, if they were broken, someone would go there and fix those white appliances. At the same time, it incorporated a revision, a yearly revision of your energy infrastructure, so electricity and gas. And it was quite amazing on finding that the infrastructure that you think that this is okay, sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes there are problems on the infrastructure and the customers value the lot when you brought them to their attention that their infrastructure was not okay, that they were getting some some type of risk that they were not aware. And this was very relevant for, for those customers and increased the retainer of, of customers. But we, we followed more on those services. So we start selling uh, PV. We were probably one of the first uh, European utilities selling PV as a standard offering with our people or people hired by us um, installing the PV. And then we, we moved to, to mobility. And now we are also pushing for what we call the Bairroslage, which means uh, local energy communities. We think that the local energy communities are going to be a key element on accelerating the carbonization of economy. Mm-hmm. And how important, in your opinion, is smart meter data in enabling this kind of new services? It's very, very important because with data, you can try to find patterns or see what is the, how can the customer save energy? You can compare customers and understand about, you know, why one customer is consuming a lot more than, than the average of, of his, his class. And then that creates insights that are helpful for the, for the customers. And with those insights, probably there are services that you can, you can deliver to them, like energy management uh, devices and, and services, smart thermostats, you know, even understanding about that some of the appliances, the white appliances, are old, inefficient, and maybe there is um, a, a business opportunity. It's economical to just change them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, what I observe is that EDP is not only committed to uh, greening its energy mix, but to also supporting its customers in becoming energy efficient at home, which I think is an important piece of the puzzle in uh, making the energy transition a reality or accelerating. Um, so why are residential energy desegregation solutions important in helping customers consume energy more efficiently? So when we, we had some kind of um, service design or design thinking um, sessions with our customers, it was interesting that it, it was always raised by them that they see how much they are consuming, but they don't know where they are consuming this. They don't know how much their fridge is part of their bill. So bringing these insights to the customers uh, is very useful. For, for once, it just you are just answering something that they really want to know. On the other side, when you start knowing where you are spending your energy, then it's a lot easier for you to help the customer save that energy. At the same time, you can also help the customer finding what is the optimal energy tariff and what is the optimal 
contracted power levels, which is something that only occurs in on some countries. And and at the same time, it's when you know how much the customer uh, is consuming, how much is their energy profile, you can also help them about what is the best uh, solution for using, for example, photovoltaic for, for their customer, for their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's clear, the benefits are clear with regards to why energy retailers offer this residential energy to their customers. But um, an energy retailer who might be considering offering such a thing might be thinking, okay, so that's one part of what I can get out of this. But what are some additional benefits which might be interesting for me, not necessarily for the end customer? Yeah, okay. So so imagine so there are actually several ways of using this, right? On, on one side is the relation that you have with the customer by providing a service, providing insights about the customer and so on. You can retain the customer, you know, have less churn and probably you can increase your margin because of the, the, um, of the relationship that you have with the customer. But you can also create additional services with the information that you are getting from that is disaggregated. For example, let's imagine that you know that the way you, you know exactly how much a consumer is using their washing machine, and then you know that by by using the, the information of uh, of the consumption that their washing machine is not efficient for the use that the customer is doing. So you can uh, go to the customer and try to to provide that information and even sell. Uh, um, the white appliance and that it's possible to sell white appliance to customers by utilities. There are several utilities that are doing that. EDP is doing that and it's it's part of the margin that is being brought by more information. But you can do more with that, right? If you are starting measuring information about the customer, about a condominium, about a local energy community, then you know exactly what is the elasticity that that community has on their consumption. And you can manage, start creating new services and so on that reduce the overall cost for the community. And if you reduce the overall cost of the community, you can uh, reduce the price to your customer on one side, and on the other side, you can increase your own margin. Yeah, so you talked about the value of residential energy disaggregation for energy retailers, and I'm sure there might be listeners Uh, who might say, okay, that's theory, but what about real-world examples? Like, who does that? So let's 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 talk specifically. How, for example, can a company like NetAgreed, who actually specializes in residential energy disaggregation, help a utility like EDP? So, I mean, NetAgreed, by by having providing services on disaggregation of, of load, can help utilities deliver this type of service to their customers. And when they deliver these type of, of service to customers, they reduce churns, they increase referrals, uh, they even reduce customer service costs. Um, they manage to to avoid bill shocks and things like that. So, so it, it's a way of improving the relationship that you have with your customer. And so that's that's a very important element. Uh, um, uh, for an utility. The other element is that if you can have a lot of information and you can measure that information, I'm sure that it's possible to improve and to monetize, to create services 
um, that monetize that the insights on that information. So this is this is uh, relevant. And one way of monetizing those those services is pushing for energy efficiency services like dynamic tariffs, uh, happy hours, using using uh, um, appliances. For example, it's interesting that if you think about disaggregation, you can start thinking about using an appliance as a service. It's something that is we are not thinking today. I mean, the industry. Utilities are not yet delivering um, uh, washing machines as a service. Why not? If you if you start thinking about this, why not? Uh, you are selling. Customers do not want energy. They want what the energy can do. So, you know, if you start thinking about on the service side, there may be new ways of uh, delivering energy, not delivering the energy, but delivering the comfort or the services that the energy uh, provide. And then for that, you just need more information. You just need disaggregated information. Mm -hmm. That is very interesting what you say, that uh, customers basically not, do not want energy, but what actually energy can do for them. Uh, I never thought of that uh, in this light. And, um, you know, something that we hear a lot from energy retailers who are considering offering residential energy disaggregation services is that why should they invest in a residential um, energy segregation solution as opposed to devoting resources to developing it in-house? Somebody might well claim that I have a, you know, the expertise in-house and I might, de I might develop this internally. So in your opinion, what are the added value of outsourcing such, such a service? You know, I, I think that the world is is very complex for you to try to do everything on your own. I, you know, when you are working on innovation, you just know that that's not the right way of doing things. The right way of doing things is uh, actually working collaborative with more people and not less people. Uh, actually, I think that the winners of, by the way, in any industry, but particularly on on the in the energy sector, will be the ones who have the um, the widest uh, ecosystem and the best collaborative uh, approach to that ecosystem. Those are the ones, the ones that are able to integrate the ecosystem and deliver uh, uh, an integrated service to the customer. Those are the ones who are going to own the customer or get the customer. You know, I, I, it's it's very very hard for me to think that about someone trying to do. Uh, uh, internal disaggregation. Now, the, the other thing that I think it's important is to separate uh, invention that, from adoption, right? So one thing is delivering a service that is is uh, hardware, software that is able to to see how much a consumer is, is using its energy. But the other thing is how to monetize that service. How can I uh, increase the adoption of this technology in, with my customers? So adoption, there is a lot to invest, a lot to innovate, a lot. Uh, I mean, uh, there are, you need to allocate a lot of resources just to think about how can you leverage an existing technology to your own, um, to the relationship with your customer. I mean, just doing that is a lot. And if you are putting your resources on developing the technology, then you don't, you won't be able to have resources to see how can, you know, how can you leverage that technology. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That does make sense. Um, 
And um, I really like what you said that the winners are going to be the ones who have the richest ecosystem and have like the best partnerships. Sounds like the right uh, way to go in terms of, you know, um, navigating in this complex world. It's a lot difficult. It's more difficult than, than it looks like. And that's why it's a more differentiator than, than ever. Being able to work with a lot of companies, smaller companies, um, what I call jazz companies, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And, and because you have something that you need to deliver. And at the same time, there, there is uncertainty in some of those relationships. And you need to manage to be able to accommodate things. And the ones who are able to structure a bit of this, a bit of that, and so on, and integrate them and deliver to the customer, they are, those are the ones who are going to win the customer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a great um, sentence to lead us to the, the next topic I wanted to touch upon, which is EDP Ventures, which is uh, like your uh, core. This is where you play. And it's a successful part of EDP um, innovation. Um, and EDP Ventures, as I understand it, identifies and invests in companies that can bring added value to EDP, right? Yeah. Um, so I was wondering what drove the decision to select NetoGrid as a new supplier company versus other companies who might be offering the same service? Okay, so EDP Ventures is one of the innovation arms of EDP Innovation. We have invested 44 million in 34 um, startups, startups and, and, and companies. And and these companies, we were able to to have contracts of sixty five million with uh, the companies of EDP. So this just shows the value added for both parties of uh, working together. And so we understood that nil the nil market to some extent is is going commoditized, right? Because um, there are the algorithms that you know a lot of people are have developed those algorithms. There there are some kind of uh, uh, hardware solutions and so on. But we think that um, net to grid deliver on one side. Uh, was one-stop solution, uh, a software and a hardware, a very competitive hardware, and that that was for us uh, very relevant because if you lower the transaction costs, you do more transactions. So the hardware cost was the competitiveness of the hardware cost was very relevant. And the other thing on on the software side, um, the Netogreen Nilms uh, has got to a very level of higher currency, which. For us, you know, we compared several technologies were were the best ones. So, so I, I think that that was the reason why um, why Net to Grid emerged from from other from other players. But but the investment decision also was focused. It's more focused also on other things. It's not just about the technology, but it's also mainly it's also about the team. Um, we look for you know sound teams, and I, I think that the, the Net to Grid team. Uh, was um, was very sound, ambitious, um, with um, you know very well, very well uh, with complementary uh, uh, skill sets and, and talented, and and the the other element has to do with um, the way Bert's vision on the energy transition was very much aligned with our own uh, our own vision. 
So we also developed our, our internally uh, energy management system. So we knew the efforts and the things and what worked, what didn't work and so on. And the way what Bert told us was very much in sync with our, our vision about how the market was going to play out. And then it makes all the sense for us to, to, to make the investment. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, for sharing that, Antonio. And by the way, this year, NetoGrid uh, turns 10. So uh, in one of our uh, next episodes, we're going to host Bert, who is going to be sharing with us uh, the 10 lessons to learn from 10 years at NetoGrid. So it will be interesting to hear about his vision and, um, and what he has to say about the energy transition. So um, speaking about EDP Ventures investing in many startups, including NetoGrid, since two years now, um, there might be listeners out there who might be thinking or wondering what are three things that you're looking for before you decide to invest in a startup. You've already mentioned the team and how robust that is, but what are there, what are some other elements that you're looking into before taking the decision? So, so we look we look on the technology, how much the technology is. So we actually try to answer four four questions, right? One of the questions is: Are you really solving a problem? I mean, a problem in the energy transition. That's that's the first question. The second question is: Is this impactful or can be impactful directly or indirectly? The other thing is: Is the technology sound and unique? And and the last point is: How does this connect with EDP strategy of in, within the energy transition? And the last but not least is, it has to do with the team because you can answer all of these all of these four questions but if the um, the team is not there ambitious you know um, solid in terms of competencies and that with complementary um, competencies so one is really finance the other is more on the vision and strategy and, and vision side, the other is more on the pragmatical and experienced person. So, so if you are able to to have a, a, a solid management team, that's in the end what makes the, the real difference. Great. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today, and very interesting everything you said. So, we'd like to uh, thank you and wish you all the best in meeting the ambitious goal you've set for yourselves. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. You too. That's all for today's episode of Energy Stories. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Energy Stories on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For any questions or suggestions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast.netagree.com. Until next time, take care.